ahead on set. Rolling. Action. Action. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to yet another episode of Ink Cut. We are here together once again. I am Sebastian. And I'm Caitlin. And today is actually a pretty interesting episode for us, given that we just recently finished our junior year at film school. What? What? And we had, with that, it entailed making films with a group of people from our class that involved like sets and just like making the film during the entirety of the semester. Mm-hmm. And trying to be as professional as possible. That includes um, storyboards, making up the script, and mm-hmm. like day by day what we're gonna shoot. And it was pretty interesting. But that's pretty much what we're gonna be talking about today. What we expected that will happen in these sets, and what actually ended up happening in these sets. Because uh, I feel like the comparison mm-hmm. is insane. Yeah, I I don't know if I came into junior year expecting a lot, but I was definitely expecting to work on a set, and that was definitely something that was guaranteed, because I guess last fall, everybody in the junior class was Mm -hmm. writing scripts, and then we decided who, or someone else decided who was gonna um, produce the films. Um, We we did three films in total, um, one of which was not... Uh, did not come to fruition, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, so we, we, we decided to work on three films in total, all with a variety of, like, different genres, different focuses, whether it be more action-based, mm-hmm. another one more drug-based. <laughs> um, but overall, they're pretty fun scripts. I was definitely excited about um, all of them, really. I thought all of them had something really good, good inside of them. I enjoyed the writing. Um, all of the, the people that wrote the scripts became the director. So it was pretty nice because they knew exactly what they were hoping for. They knew what they wanted the film to look like in the end. So we mm-hmm. had a better, like, solid vision compared to if we just gave the script to somebody else to direct. The airplane just had to go through right now, right at this second. Of course it People did. decided to fly by. <laughs> Amazing. But yeah, so as you, as you all know, last semester we were in London. So sadly we were in part of the process of writing a script, submitting it, getting injuries, and but we will be taking that class in the fall because it's still a requirement to graduate. <laughs> Which one? The production management class. Oh, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Yeah, we still have to take it even though we already went through. And so I get... Oh! Okay, so now I'm just going on a little bit of a tangent. So I'm guess now we're going to go to the uh, Rising Juniors and decide what film will be made, question mark? Well, this the juries that, that decided, I'm pretty sure, whose films we're going to go through. So, because the jury's really critiquing everybody's scripts and told them, like, what they could improve on, and then they decided what three films had the best shot of being made into a final film. Well, with that, so we weren't part of deciding or writing or listening, so we don't really know what other scripts Mm -hmm. were out there. We don't know if there could have been anything else that we would have liked to work on more than these ones. We pretty much were given the choice of these three different ones. Um, mm-hmm. And then our professor went from there. So, me personally, I was assigned to only one film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was called Misery Loves Company. Uh, and it was with my best of friends in college. We were all assigned together for the most part. Everybody except me and our friend group was put onto that film. And I'm totally still not bitter about it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, that, that made it more interesting. But we'll get into how it actually went down afterwards. Yeah. 
I, on the other hand, was put on the other two films. Um, I was the art director and makeup artist for film one, mm-hmm. and the location casting scout for film two. Yeah, I completely forgot to mention, I was the cinematographer for yeah. our film. You're one of the big head honchos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Holding the camera, doing all the work. And if I may start with Mystery Love's Company, that one had a couple of different challenges, starting at location scouting. So I was trying to help uh, whoever was in charge of location scouting because we had to get a bunker and we had to get a courthouse. Mm -hmm. And we had to figure out how on no budget get a courthouse and a bunker. Mm -hmm. So thankfully the director, Adelia, she actually had this one, she has this job in which um, it's what like a dog doggy daycare i think uh so the doggy daycare place has a basement that looks like a bunker just like a bunker so we had that one covered Mm -hmm. but then we had to find the courthouse that was the hard part yeah well for the past couple of years i've been really involved in his boss and the community and blah 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 whatever it is therefore i knew a lot of different um politician figures around East Boston. Mm-hmm. So I just reached out to a couple in LinkedIn and they told me where to find the courthouse and I just reached out to the courthouse and they were like, we would love to do this. I was actually really impressed that the courthouse would be so easy to get. It was actually <laughs> amazingly easy to get. I just emailed them. We were them. all shocked that you got that. I mean, yeah. it took it took some time. Mm-hmm. It took some getting uh, more emails from other people and it took some actually going there and meeting people so they mm-hmm. could see what we're all about um, but we had to talk to different judges we had to talk to different chiefs of justice so it was an interesting adventure for us to go on mm-hmm. and trying to figure out which courtroom we wanted to use <laughs> I think I loved it and each courtroom had like different issues that we will have to deal with and we had to acknowledge that before we started filming, but overall, I think it was a great experience for us to try to figure out how to find a really hard place to shoot and yeah. actually making it successful. So that's like the first thing that we had to deal with to begin with in the set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so for the for film two, where I was location <laughs> casting, Scott, I sort of had to deal with that too. My director was kind of going back and forth on different locations. One of them possibly being an airport. And I remember, I just remember this conversation that we had in freshman year where it's like, if you film at an airport without specific (laughs) permission, you will get arrested and your camera will be destroyed. Same thing with filming on the MBTA. Your camera will be taken away from you. Yeah, apparently you cannot gorilla film at the MBTA. Yeah. And it's even worse because the airport near us is Boston Logan Airport. Uh, which is where the planes flew out for the terrorist attacks on 9-11. Oh my so goodness. that's why security is even more upped on there. So you definitely can't do any guerrilla filmmaking at all. Mm-hmm. So I had to just be like, mm, is there any other airport <laughs> that you could try? <laughs> and if not, how about we just don't do the airport? You can drive up to it in your car and then drive away through like the drop-off zone mm-hmm. and maybe you'll be fine. Uh, I guess all they did was just go on the highway and film like you're approaching the airport sign and then that was it. Which yeah. worked. It, like, it still like set the scene. For um, me, knowing all yeah. of Boston and knowing mm-hmm. where each place is, it was really interesting seeing the airport sign and then all of a sudden you pop up in South Boston. I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure if you didn't know Boston, you wouldn't know the little filmmaking yeah. secrets that we did. But... <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty funny. And then because 
our our like whole movie is pretty much set in an Uber. Uh, we didn't really have to worry about too much about locations, other than the fact that the film <clears throat> I won't spoil the ending, but it ends on a very violent act on the side of the road. Yeah. So it's like okay, great. How do we do this without anybody calling the police saying that, oh, this guy is being attacked <laughs> by his car? How do we make it obvious that we're filming? So we ended up having to film on one of Leslie's other campuses at night with campus police there, mm-hmm. uh, already, like, notified, so that everybody was already, like, Leslie-based and they knew what was happening yeah. so that no one would freak <laughs> out and think that we're crazy. Um having this violent act <laughs> there were many conversations about that one that uh-huh. even i tried to pop in a little bit and they were trying to figure out how to actually make this happen without anybody getting concerned and i know one of the things that was talked about was whenever you make it just let know let the police know mm-hmm. that you're making it yeah and more often than not the police will actually put an officer mm-hmm. in your film set for free yeah so you can actually do it and people are not mm-hmm. concerned about it yeah I know another big concern regarding that specific scene as well was that everybody except the director and the cinematographer were women. So they were all really concerned of like, okay, where are we going Mm -hmm. at night to have someone die in a car? Like, where are we filming this? (laughs) Because I don't want to drive all this way out to a really creepy parking lot Mm -hmm. and then have to sort of just find my way back. So they were all pretty thankful that we ended up filming it on Leslie so that we didn't run into any weirdos that could pop in on the set. So you're thankful of that. As far as casting went, I've never cast for a film before. Mm -hmm. This was all new to me. I tried using backstage.com back in freshman year, but that failed miserably. (laughs) So using it as like for like a professional, (laughs) in quotation marks, a professional, um, film was like very interesting like i made we made like a whole um gmail for the film Mm -hmm. which i've never done before we had quite a few people audition which i was surprised about one of the main characters had to speak haitian creole and i was very nervous that we would not find that person because he also needed to not be young he needed to be like in like his 30s or 40s and i was like i don't know many haitian creole people in their 30s or 40s that would be willing to film like i Mm -hmm. You hear about young people wanting to film all the time, but not, like, someone who's older and have a very specific language they have to know. So, thankfully, the director actually knew somebody, uh, had, like, a contact that Mm. they could call upon. And he wasn't a bad actor, either. Um, So, that solved all my problems. But, thankfully, we had this one guy who's awesome. He's worked on all these other student films. The guy who played um, Paul in Mm -hmm. our film. He also knows French because that was the <laughs> other requirement that is that a character also has a, a phone conversation in French. Uh, so thankfully, Paul came through. If I find what his real name is, because I don't yeah. think his real name is Paul, <laughs> if I remember it, I'll put it in the description because he was awesome. He was great. And I'm so happy that he's worked on all these other Leslie films because it really is such a big help when someone's willing to work on a film oh, for most absolutely nothing <laughs> other and than maybe like I think pizza. I also had a really interesting experience with casting because also we mm. went with Backstage and we tried to cast every single role through Backstage. Mm. Well, that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we ended up actually getting one guy from Backstage to fill mm. the role for Joe. Uh, his name was Thomas. He was great. Lovely person to work with. But then the other people, we actually had to cast another film student um, a year above us. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of friends around campus. And then the librarian from Leslie, actually. 
was another one of her cast members. And hey, you got Matt, the director of our program, yeah. to be in it too as a lawyer. <laughs> Before I forget, we also did cast another guy from backstage that ended up just standing there doing the courthouse scene. He, he, he did have a line, but we didn't end up using that line from Ooh, the final cut. <laughs> Um, but yeah, two people from backstage. One of our main actors went from backstage. Uh, but just trying to cast a, a complete cast of people that have their own lives with their own different jobs Yeah. that they have to work for. And it's not like money. we're paying them anything to be willing to yeah. get rid of their other plans. <laughs> so it's like, ah. Uh. So even with Thomas, we had to account for his time mm-hmm. a lot because he had to go to work. I believe it was like three on the courthouse uh, scene day. So we, cut, we had to cut that uh, day short a little bit mm. because he had to go, but we finished as much as we possibly could, yeah. which was most of it, honestly. Uh, but that also leads to the issue towards the end of filming that we'll get to afterwards. Ooh, I don't remember this. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to talk about film one a little bit. So I was the art director and makeup artist, like I said. And my director actually flat out said to me, like, this film, like, visually is going to be inspired a lot by Euphoria. So I was like, okay, perfect. I have a nice, solid base to go off of. So I ended up watching the very first episode of Euphoria. I, I'm sorry to anybody that likes Euphoria, but I can't sit there and stomach the rest of the series. It's just too much. It's too intense. There's too much happening. Um, but I'm sure it's a fantastic show for people that can watch it without cringing internally. I've never <laughs> seen that it. Are happening. I've never seen a single episode um, of it. But I think I got a lot out of it, and we ended up having some really fun lighting. Uh, lots of, like, purples and blues in, like, the, the kitchen area, and then when we go up to the bedroom area, it's, like, red, orange, mm-hmm. and pink. So that was really fun. Um, we actually filmed in a house that a bunch of, like, the, like, athletes lived in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, at first, it seemed like that would really work out, but it seemed like I don't think they understood... What it involved. Like, what it involved to have a film crew on the set. Because, um, really, I think there was so many people that were helping out, whether it be sophomores or freshmen wanting to help out, being grips or whatnot, but then there was also the actors getting their makeup done in the kitchen and then running upstairs to go film up there. And then we had a bunch of extras because remember, this is supposed to be a party, Mm -hmm. uh, a Halloween party at that. So everybody's in costumes, everyone's running around. And then we are recording audio, so you have to be silent when we're recording. So I just, I just don't really think they understood the, the scale of the film. I don't know if that was something that they understood or if that was something that was just miscommunicated to them. Um, but they didn't want us to keep filming there. So we had to get a different location. Um, but I think at that point, a lot of our schedules started becoming weird because we were only supposed to film these films within like a matter of like two weeks, I think. And this was prior to, um, what was it? Spring? No. This is prior to spring break. Yeah. Yeah. When we started filming this. So a little bit before March. Um, so yeah, I just think, and then some people started getting sick as well, as people do when you're in close quarters <laughs> with people. Um, so I just don't think... Pe- well, with, with the location not working out, and there was some other back and forth on the set between people as well, I just don't think, schedule-wise, everybody 
could be on the same page even if they wanted to because people had already taken time off for spring break. People had already taken time off for the movie mm-hmm. and they needed money to continue living so yeah. they can't take off all this extra time. Um, and then I know we had to recast one of the actors as well for that, that scheduling as well. So it was just very complicated. In that and specific I felt really film, bad. there was a lot of personal drama that we won't get into yeah. out of respect. Out of respect for everybody involved in the set, we won't get into. But I yeah. think it was insane the amount of drama that can come out of a film set. Period. Because yeah. it wasn't only that one, mm-hmm. but your other film set also had a lot of drama. Yeah. And my film set even. Everybody was, had drama. Yeah. We'll just say that everybody. My our poor professor had to put up with us calling her at all hours of the day, complaining about this, complaining about that, upset about this person on the crew, upset about that person. And oh gosh, I really hope that on other sets in the future that that is not the case. I mean, I'm, this I'm was also because face. everyone knew each other on set, mm-hmm. and we were all like sla- French. French. <laughs> We're all French. <laughs> We're all friends like, slash acquaintances. Um, so maybe that's what also led to a, a bunch of the drama starting up. We knew each other and were comfortable-ish around each other. Maybe, yeah. Uh, so we're more like we Like, we knew each other drama. more as, like, friends, but not necessarily how we would work together. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's another thing that affected us greatly mm-hmm. because... Okay, so we actually did a great job at keeping ourselves in track. Mm-hmm. But anytime the professor will come, it will almost looked like we weren't doing much even though we knew that we were mm-hmm. really good on track and we knew what we had to get done and we yeah. were getting stuff done but since we're all friends in our set it just it just came down to working while having lots of fun mm-hmm. which looks like we're not working yeah mm-hmm. and at points we will stop working for a second <laughs> and so we had to keep ourselves accountable mm-hmm. a lot uh, and I think we did. I think we successed yeah. and su- succeeded. Succeeded, success. <laughs> <A> success. <laughs> Great success. <laughs> I think we succeeded on that side uh, of keeping ourselves accountable. But it mm-hmm. was scary at times. Um, oh, I bet. Do you want me to go into what happened at the end? Sure. I mean, it's not anything crazy. It's just we had one weekend to finish filming. <laughs> no, we had... Okay. So it started... We had one week to finish filming. Mm-hmm. And we got... Uh, a hold of so, sorry we got a hold of Thomas trying to film the fi- the final scene that mm-hmm. involved getting out of the courthouse and getting Thomas uh, mm. strangled with an umbrella spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> um, but he had so some stuff happening in his mm-hmm. life so he had to leave but then he got sick so he couldn't be on set either afterwards Ooh. so that was like a whole week and a half and then we only had one weekend to finish it before mm-hmm. we had to actually Edit. submit it. Because <laughs> yeah. we had almost all of it edited, but we're missing that one part. Oh, right, yeah. right, yeah. And so we had like one weekend before we we had to send it pretty much. Mm-hmm. We, we, what we had to do was just change a whole, probably like a whole three, four minute scene mm-hmm. and make it into a, what, 30 second scene with only one uh, character I do remember in it. that, yeah. So we did that. It worked. In Leslie. I think it worked. I didn't I didn't think anything bad of it. Like I knew where it was going and I think it cut really well. So. That was a lot of brainstorming trying yeah. to figure out what will look best uh, for that specific moment and mm-hmm. how, how we can actually make it believable that this actually happened and it's not just us trying to save ourselves from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we did it really nice and oh my goodness. There is a lot of drama that went down in ours involving people doing people's jobs 
that mm. we're not meant to do. See, okay, so that that's where I get into, because I, I did a lot of research, because this summer I, I'm trying to work more on sets that aren't, like, student-led specifically, like, just more sets in general, but also working with my aunt, who has the ability to work on some commercial marketing-based sets as well. Mm-hmm. And so... I, I was, like, looking up, like, set etiquette, right? And had the things that you should do on set. And one of them was, like, know your place. Yeah. Like, you have to know what your specific role is and that you're not supposed to do someone else's. You're not supposed to comment on somebody else, how they're doing it. The director's supposed to direct. Cinematographer's supposed to have the camera. The lighting guy is supposed to be in charge of the lighting. So don't unpl- unplug or touch anything that the lighting guy has set up because you're going to mess him up. Mm-hmm. Mess him or her up. So it's, like... Know your place is one of, like, the biggest things that I think everybody says. So not knowing your place is kind of interesting. I think where <laughs> most of our issues came were at the post-production part of mm. who was going to edit and by when we had to finish the edit. Uh, and that was a big, big issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, so since, since we're all friends uh, at the beginning, this is a special occasion in which we haven't made a film in about two years because of COVID. Yep. So most of the things that we knew, we completely forgot about. And, and if we didn't, we just had to like get a quick reminder of what we had to mm-hmm. do. So on the first day of filming, I had to take over a lot of the things that the director will have to say, like the, the rolling, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Mind you, our the, the program director was there. So he was like, you're not the director. She's supposed to be the one doing that. I know you want to help, but mm-hmm. uh, do you have to say these things because it's your role to do it? Um, but I think he didn't say it as a bad thing happening. Mm-hmm. It was just like, I understand what you're doing, but this is for you to do. Yeah. And you're put in this role it. to be and, and act as if this role were being like, you were paid to do it. This yeah. is what you would actually do on a, a real world set. But then it got to the point sometimes that some of the crew members were really, really tired out of a long, um, after a long day, and they would start saying cut uh, before the director wanted to say <laughs> oh, cut gosh. and things like that, and it got pretty annoying sometimes. But honestly, I think... So I played soccer for a long time, mm-hmm. and one thing that we used to say a lot is that we become enemies on the field, but we're friends afterwards. I think Ooh. that's what happened okay. on the set. So you get heated when you're on set mm. because obviously you're working and you're under stress, you're yeah. under pressure. So sometimes you get angry with other people. Don't bring that anger outside of the set. Yeah. Like at, when you're outside of the set, mm-hmm. chill, calm down, you're all friends again. Yeah. Because it happens. It does happen. And sometimes people just don't realize that they did that. Yeah. Or that they insulted your, your position or something like that. They just, they just don't realize it. Mm-hmm. And... I think it would make the next day that you're working on set even harder to get through if you're just still like, eh, this person was like this yesterday. <laughs> that's not just, that's just not the way to do it. Especially yeah. if everyone's getting paid to be there. You just kind of have to suck it up at that point. Cause it's not mm-hmm. like they're going to leave. They're going to still show up the next day. They're still going to show up the next day after that. So just brush it off. Focus on that day's work. Cause you keep, if you keep holding on all the grudges, you're never going to get anything done. For sure. So I think you guys did a really good job of just trying to finish, <laughs> despite <laughs> everything that could have been annoying. And despite all the equipment errors. Oh, oh all the equipment so, errors. <laughs> let me tell you about it. <laughs> it's crazy. Because, okay, so the first day that we had to film, 
I've been mentioning the courthouse as the first day that we were filming, mm -hmm. but that's not the first day that we showed up on set. <laughs> the first day we showed up on set, we had to start filming only with the, the actor that is a Leslie student, and things started going down really, really fast. Starting yeah. by one of the, by the lighting not working, and then one of the microphones wasn't working for some reason. The camera, the the camera monitor stopped working all of a sudden. Oh gosh! And then the thing that made it all the worse was the actor showing up in the wrong attire. <laughs> it was the bunker scene, and he thought he was going to the courthouse scene. Mm. So at that moment. We were all just like, how about we just call it and we go home? Yeah. This was an hour, an hour and a half away from my house. Wow. So it was quite annoying to be there for three hours, trying to set everything up because the actor was running behind an hour. Mm -hmm. So having to set all that up and then having to leave right away after doing no work. That was And you couldn't leave insane. all the stuff there either because half of it was broken. So you had to get give it back anyways. Yeah. And then afterwards, on the second time we went to the courthouse, that's where things got heated. Mm. Because a light fell, a camera fell, <sighs> my life was falling. That was a 13, 14 hour day, day wow. filming. And everything that fell started falling from the beginning. <laughs> so I know that day specifically we had to figure out how to actually light a whole set without lights. And we ended up using... <laughs> thankfully, the bunker was full of like lamps, lamps. everywhere for no I reason. I thought that was an aesthetic choice. I didn't think it was because you just didn't have lights. Yes. Wow. No, well, we actually wanted to use the lamps nonetheless. Uh -huh. But thankfully, there were like... 10 of them mm -hmm. for no reason in this small room is she has some extras you can so we use, use all light. of those lamps and we had to move That's them around crazy. so we could actually light it it was really interesting yeah. trying to figure out and trying to work around it but i think the moments in which you have the most constraints are the moments in which you get the most creative yeah so i think that really, I really helped it. and yeah. didn't yeah, I think everybody had equipment problems. No matter what we did, we would have it because it's because the way Leslie has their all all everybody like shares the equipment. So it's not like you have equipment set aside just for junior year or just for senior year, or just for sophomore year. Like, like freshmen can't use all of the equipment, but they can use some of it because freshmen you start like learning how to use it, and then you get cleared to check out. The mm -hmm. next level of equipment. When they get to junior senior year, everybody's sort of like just like sharing equipment. So yeah, when something breaks and someone doesn't report it, or someone reported it but it's taking a little bit more to fix it, um, that sort of thing, like it can become really bad. Because I know a bunch of other people have had issues, like senior people had issues on it as well, whether it be like a bad wire. And sometimes you don't know these things until you're already on yeah. set. So the, they really wanted to specify, like, make sure you test out all of your equipment the moment that you check it out, just in case. Because if you're traveling an hour and a half away mm -hmm. from school, you don't want to have to go all the way back. That's what's funny. It. We actually checked equipment before we left mm -hmm. and it will be fine. And then you would get on set. It's yeah. like, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one of the days that we were filming on uh, film number one, the one that didn't uh, unfortunately finish. The boom mic was working up until mm. she said record. And then they were like, this is not recording audio anymore. <laughs> and we just did not know why. We had to get a whole boom mic the moment that we started hitting record. 
I do not understand equipment. That makes me want to buy my own, even though I know it's expensive. But at the very least, it's like, oh, at least it's mine. Mm. I don't have to rely on to make sure that somebody else didn't break it the day before. Yeah. Now, oh. moving away from student productions, this, this summer you're making big moves. Big, big girl moves. <laughs> yes. And do you want to tell me a little bit about what you're up to lately? Yeah. So this past week, I worked with my aunt. It was for a medical device company selling certain medical devices. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> that's a dumb sentence, but anyways. Um, so I was, I was sort of like her personal assistant, but also script supervisor. I was taking, largely just taking notes about the shots mm-hmm. that we recorded, uh, if they Which were good, if they were not. bad, um, documenting it. Because she's also editing it and categorizing all the footage as well. So that's a lot of help. So I wanted to make sure that she had all the notes that she really needed to make sure that she got the clips that were good. Because we recorded over like 400 shots or something like oh that. Oh my goodness. Throughout the whole time. I didn't want her to have to watch all 400 again. Yeah. So I would always like circle which ones were good, which ones were bad. And she had this epic binder. I've already told her how much I love it. It's this epic binder where... Because this is a client shoot, the client knew what they wanted to have recorded. Mm. So my aunt had been working the last couple of months with the client to ensure like this whole shot list. So for each day, what they were doing, and then they they had a video shoot and a photo shoot happening at the exact same time. Mm. So she broke down each shot, specified which actor was going to be on each shot, and then specified what props were needed, what outfits were needed, because some of, some of them were supposed to be the medical company people, other other uh, actors were supposed to be the hospital customers, um, like re- purchasing the products from the company. Um, so they wanted to specify that, and also there was a SPD, which is like a sterile processing department, where they would clean the tools. So the actors would have to be taught, like, hey. This is actually how you hold the device. Mm-hmm. You don't hold it like that if you're actually cleaning it. And then in the OR, they have to be sometimes in full PPE because you're supposed to be doing surgery. You have to <laughs> act like it, you know. Uh, so it was actually really cool. I love how she set it up. She had everything set to, like, the hour. So we would have, like, a whole hour to record a couple of shots. And it was, like, the perfect amount of time because mm-hmm. it was enough time that you could play around with, should we do this, should we do that? perfect we like it hit record and then enough time to also compensate for hey no you're holding it wrong or oh no uh, we forgot this oh, and the set. so it worked out so perfectly and i actually i got the schedules from her because she had like printed them out in like an excel mm-hmm. huge thing and i was like i'm gonna use this as a template for my senior thesis because <laughs> i think with how much thought and detail was put into each moment that we were on the set and what was scheduled out i just thought that's why it ran so perfectly and also, mm-hmm. there was money involved, so everybody did show up. We didn't have any no-shows from the actors. The actors were all great. Um, they are all really nice. So it just worked out really well. Mm-hmm. And then this next week, I'm doing makeup um, on two different sets. So I'll have to give an update on how that goes. So wish me luck, everybody. No spoilers right now. No spoilers. Um, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I'm excited to see how people run their sets, mm-hmm. I would hope that they would have care and detail to the scheduling of it and how the day runs, because I think that's a lot of the reason why some of these student films were hard to be on, is because there was a lack of coordination with that mm-hmm. and what you were doing. You knew where you were, but you didn't know what you were going to film next necessarily half the time. Not enough accountability for whose part was what. And one of the guys on the set that I met 
well, uh, that from my aunt's set was he was said to me only like 10% of filmmaking is like creative the mm. rest of it is all of like the production management yeah. how to get it done and that's more technical that's less creative more Things just like how do we get learn. it done yeah and as well as like taking kind of like the budget and whatnot and where mm-hmm. you're going to purchase the equipment from because obviously in the real world you have to rent it out or purchase it or <laughs> or that sort of thing so but yeah such a great experience i i'm really hoping that i have more fun experiences to tell you guys about but yeah. I think that will be it for us today. I think we'll have to catch up on this talk again. Yes. Probably about a month or so. Mm-hmm. We'll have to talk how sets are going again with more professional mm-hmm. sets. I mind you, I'll be in a couple of sets as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for coming. And we'll see you here next week. Yes. And, and cut. cut.